When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Lou Cirillo, and I'm joined today by Kevin Gentry. Today's uh, topic is to be, since it's just the two of us, is to be a little bit retrospective, I think, on some of the market shifts and the market data that we've seen with the current COVID-19 crisis, how we talk about that market data and how we use it to make data-driven decisions. Um, In the current light of how things have gone on, we've seen a major shift and pivot toward online strategy. Um, that's been a key thing for us. And it's also been something that I think the market as a whole has been looking at. I just read an article yesterday saying that over 62% of people, um, or Walmart Grocery, sorry, has 62% of the online market share for grocery shopping, uh, which is pretty significant considering before that it was next to nothing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole market bank, Kevin? That's crazy. I mean, it puts us, uh, everyone that's working in a technology company in, a, in, a, in an advantage, right? Um, I think some of the um, prereqs for a user uh, um, to actually use your product is kind of that barrier of entry of like getting online or setting up an account or doing something like that. So when there's something in the ecosystem that kind of forces them to go and do that, that, that initial hurdle is already cleared, which is cool. Um, so now they're just kind of experiencing the product um, and then seeing that if it's meeting their needs or not. So it's interesting to hear that Walmart is meeting their needs in, in some way, but it wasn't before. So understanding like what that hurdle was, I think we, we understand that now, but um, yeah. Well, you know, the interesting shift here, and, and I know as this relates to Ibotta, is we, you know, we have a big focus on grocery and CPG products. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, we actually had not looked at online grocery redemption um, significantly, we had actually put that as a feature we wanted to build later this year. And one of the main reasons we did that is because at the time, only I think 4% of the U.S. population had used online grocery. And they weren't necessarily the demographics of the people that we would target. And that was actually one of the main reasons for, in our roadmap, like we didn't really intend on addressing it. We viewed it as a future opportunity. Um, We were kind of positioned in a way to start looking at it. Um, But we hadn't really compared to other priorities. Like when you have something that's only 4% of the market, um, that's not a really big place to be. We've seen the shift recently where I think 40% of the U.S. has at least tried online grocery delivery in the last three to four weeks. Crazy. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Major shift. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think like when you you can always plan for something, right? And then when these big dramatic shifts happen, when do you actually like react? 
Like, how do you kind of listen to those trends and, and then make that decision in, in a timely manner? Well, you know, the interesting thing about this could be, you know, Kevin, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts, but so we've talked about the good shifts. We all feel like we've made the right decisions. What do you think some of the risks are in the path that we've chosen and pivoting to this market? Probably longevity, I would say. Um, you, you would think that this blows over at some point and then folks are back to their normal routines. Um, I think that is a risk, but I, I don't see that hurting it too much because after people try it and understand the convenience of it, they more likely that will stick to it if it is more convenient. I think that that would be the risk, right? Um, if it, it becomes more of a hassle when things are back to normal, then um, you could you could potentially see us putting all of our eggs in one basket and then uh, losing out on that bet where we could have focused on something else to uh, um, pick up on when the market comes back to normal. Yeah. Actually, you made a really good point there about convenience. I've always kind of thought about that as a, as a marker for successful products. Any product that really increases the convenience in your life is generally speaking a good yeah. product. Like if we right. think about all the ones that we have around us, right? Everything from, you know, the uh, wireless thermometers in your house that change you, you know, so you can change your temperature in your house just from your <laughs> smartphone. Yeah. Right. Like great feature about convenience. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And then that's, you know, the convenience factor when folks are more mobile and not uh, isolated to their homes, right? So is it more convenient for them to still order and have groceries shipped to them? Or do they like that? Like, do they like going, getting out of the house, going to the store and picking things up? I think that it'll be interesting to see how people react after the bans are lifted. Yeah, I think in... So I think what we kind of talked about was, you know, this was a relatively big shift in the market. What about, you know, prior to this, we probably would have been thinking about things on a more subtle level, like a more, like more subtle shifts in the market. Yeah. And big shifts, I think, are easy for us to you react upon, right? Like, it's pretty clear yeah. when a market goes from 4% to 40% that something big has happened, Yeah. right? Um, but what we haven't talked about is like, well, what about micro trends, you know? Prior to doing this, what were some of the trends in the industry you were looking at and how are you using them to make your decisions? Yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, I would say, you know, we're focused on the ad space. So I'm definitely looking at media dollars and kind of, we just saw the slow growth of that industry. I mean, it was growing at a fast clip initially when ad tech first became a thing. Um, and then I think it was kind of, the, the growth was pretty slow um, initially uh, around like the 50% mark, like. 50% of spend started going digital and then that, that growth started slowing. But now since everyone is, is banned at home and then are online more, more digital ads dollars are being spent from our advertisers. Um, also some are not right. I mean, some of the CPG brands want to hold back spend, but I would say like agencies, there's more of an opportunity because there's more people online. Um, so I think the, the smaller trend would have been that, that growth of digital ad dollars. And then this, I think, which will be a more macro trend um, once things get back to normal and the bands are lifted, we'll see that dramatic shift in uh, growth again for digital ads. You know, one of the interesting ones for me, um, this, this is going to kind of an interesting trend is something that I was noticing in the affiliate and uh, reward space is we were uh, we had a conversation the other day and we were talking about you know mobile apps and one of the things is there's a feature that we were working on building that would basically hide um, 
the ability for like a retailer, if you're on a mobile web page, to request that you download their app. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, five, six, seven years ago when every retailer was just starting to get apps out into the space because everybody had to have apps, um, they were super looking at that. Um, but now a lot of the research is showing us that people really don't care about dedicated apps except for one or two of maybe their favorite retailers. And they're not likely to go download PetSmart. So in our case, we're making a really strong, we're kind of looking at a product decision of should we support more app-to-app linking and should we build out that functionality? Yeah. Um, and the market trend data that I was kind of looking at suggests that user behavior is away from apps and more toward mobile web. And so that's kind of one of the things we were using actually to make that decision there. Yeah, it's um, interesting because you have that added friction of downloading the app, creating an account and whatnot, and then actually getting to do what you want to do. Whereas the mobile web, it's, it's less friction. Um, you don't have to go and create an account right away or, or download something to your phone. You just open up that app and you can browse. Yep. I mean, it was funny is that was actually a way, that was actually weighed into a decision we made the other day to launch a particular partner. We knew that that banner would be on there and it was going to cause potential friction um, for our people. And we had to take a step back and just go, man, how many people are actually going to download this retailer's app? Yeah. Like, is it going to be 1%, 2%? Is it even that high? And with that in mind, like we were just like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Like, <laughs> we don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Not, um, yeah, yeah, I got you. Now, it's interesting. Yeah. What, what about, um, where, what resources do you uh, use to actually monitor these market trends and, and kind of, uh, you know, use to kind of guide some of your decision making? Um, I think I'm going to do, I'll say it in two ways. There's, I think, kind of a macro approach and like a more micro approach to this. The, the macro approach is just being cognizant and aware of, the market on a general basis. And I think that means everything. So many things are interconnected. So, I mean, I think that means every morning I wake up and I read news articles for probably 10 or 15 minutes every day. I'll skim headlines, ignore the media clout stuff, but look for things that signal different consumer purchasing behavior. Um, Do you you look for those headlines by any way? Like, do you look at specific headlines associated with uh, online shopping or... Um, I'll look at them associated with online shopping, technical, uh, gear, even things that I'm just interested in, you know? So I try to, I try to think about those. Like you can actually see the evidence of shifts in market, even in bigger topics. Like I'm a really big fan of sailing and boat design actually echoes technical design and what people feel in terms of comfort and convenience at any given point. And the shifts in design patterns over the last five to 10 years actually closely match what I see in consumer markets. Wow. That's interesting. So yeah, kind of unique. Um, but I think it's cool, like just to be aware and to be thinking about it. And then I think there's a more micro level. So at Ibotta, I'm focused on affiliate and driving e-commerce growth. And so I look really heavily at what the affiliate networks are doing, what articles they're publishing, the data that they're seeing, um, and having conversations with them as often as we can just to, you know, keep up on what the actual industry trends are that somebody would report about at a conference. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you schedule calls specifically to talk shop or uh, kind of, you know, I wish I had, uh, in the last few months, but, um, I, the main thing I was planning on doing were a couple conferences this year. 
Uh, apparently, conferences are probably off the table for this year, but probably. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of conferences go uh, virtual, which is interesting. Um, I wonder if that trend will happen. Uh, oh, that'd be yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. How about you, Kevin? Where do you like to get a lot of your sources from? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very similar. I, I think you know, I'll use Google News. I love using Google News, and then kind of you can follow different topics, so I can look at my industry specifically. Um, I could look at um, a specific topic within my industry and then see articles related to that, which is kind of nice. And then you can look at both like, you know, general news and then more, more, you know, drill down into these different categories. Um, uh, so that, I think that's pr pretty interesting and uh, a good place or a good resource for folks. And then um, another place that I use specifically is, is a company called eMarketers. They do a lot of good, uh, uh, analysis on digital ad spend. So that's again, more market focused on, on what I'm focused on, but I think, um, they, they give you a lot of good uh, information. Um, and then, yeah, I'll do the same. Like I'll get on client calls. So client calls, I've, I've tried to have been doing like a fly on the wall approach. Um, just, Hey, you know, Hey sales person kind of, <laughs> can we ride along and just be on the, especially when all these calls are on zoom now, it's much easier to just send us an invite. We can just kind of hear what they're, how they're reacting to things, and even in the small talk, which is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, that's that's a really good point because I do that with our customers. Yeah. Like anytime we're doing design discussions, and we usually book, we usually try to do six or seven like per feature of a customer call, and yeah. I love sitting down and just listening to them, and then asking them about like their experiences, like a whole, and, like the things that matter to them. Yeah, and you know, there was actually. Um, I don't know if you have a specific insight, but one thing that stuck out to me was we were talking about one of our competitors um, who the person had used pretty frequently. And they were discussing the, the time that it took to get cash back. And what was interesting is I kind of expected going into it that they were going to tell me, um, you know, they needed everything this second, like in the world that we have today, which seems to be increasingly driven by um, speed. Um, I was expecting them to tell me speed was the most valuable thing. And the reality is they came back and it was consistency. They didn't care if it was a super long period of time. They cared about the consistency, which actually is an interesting market shift because prior to Ibotta, I actually had a, a small company that was doing um, like home fixture delivery. And it would often take three plus weeks for us to deliver stuff, not from just from the time it took to get to manufacture to them. And I always thought that was going to be a huge barrier to entry. And I was always surprised that it wasn't. Yeah, that's weird. You, you always have expectations when you're building your products or you're, you're building a strategy. And then conversations like that can definitely shift things. Um, or, or, you know, I think, I think that's more the, all the more important for PMs and to get in the room with their customers and uh, listen to what they're saying. But, uh, yeah, no, it's really interesting. Anything else that, uh, any other data points around market trends or analysis or resources that you use um, in your day-to-day -day that you can share? Um, let's see. In, in the particular context, I would say that I've got three or four different news sources for the industry in which I'm directly involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to read those. I also tend to look at trends for because I'm working on the browser extension here. Um, I tend to look at trends for how browser extensions are being used, feedback, like what are popular extensions that people are using or things that people try to accomplish. 
Um, I find that that's interesting. That's kind of shifted over time. Um, so I kind of tried to follow that a little bit. And then the last thing is just technical news. Yeah. Um, I'm not nearly as up to speed on different development techniques that our engineers are putting in place, but I feel like taking a little bit of time out to understand like how the market is, you know, the frameworks the market is using is equally important because if we're running on something that's legacy, being able to identify that is, is relatively important. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. How do you, here's, here's one question for you. How do you not jump the gun on um, something you're hearing from the market? It's hard not to. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's, I, in that, may, there's the macro and the micro shifts aspect. I think the macro shifts, it's, it's almost hard to ignore them sometimes. Um, that was just, that's just like a, the world is calling and you better answer the phone. Yeah. Um, the, the smaller shifts, I think you have to kind of have a little bit of gut instinct and I don't want to say that in, an, in a negative way, but I think you need to look at, you need to have more, I would say always have more than one source of data. So just because uncle Rob told you that he thinks, you know, this is going to be huge in a few years doesn't make it true. Yeah. Um, but if uncle Rob and 10 news articles, all signaling sim- sim- similar things come out in a reasonably short period of time, that might be a pretty strong indicator And I think the other piece there is, can you design and build something that effectively will address that shift? Like, I think that's actually an important question. Yeah. Like the market may be shifting, but can you actually deliver something that will let you take advantage of it? And if the, if that answer isn't like a hundred percent, yes, um, you probably would want to just be like, okay, yeah, let's pass up on that. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I think with the mic in respect to the micro trends, like how do you pick which one to kind of, and, and you said kind of gut, but like there's a level of ideation and feasibility that you kind of have to bet with the engineers and kind of, uh, you know, uh, the go to market kind of thinking about all of that, how much energy and time do you spend on, um, kind of building out a potential solution to those micro trends? Um, I'd say that, well, I'll, I'll give it kind of in this interesting context. Since we're build, since the product I'm working on is essentially net new, right? Um, you have a certain good amount of bandwidth because you're starting to just architect the product to get it up the ground from scratch. And that requires a certain amount of time and effort in order just to hit that entry level where you can then iterate. So I think keeping tabs on trends helps with pivoting around iterations and new features that you build on top of existing products, new market product creation from a bigger scale, I think has to go with industry trends. And in November, December, one of the trends that I was looking at was, you know, there's a increasing growth in the amount of mobile, um, traffic from search, from everything else that's going on for people to browse products. Um, but there was also a major increase in the amount of revenue generated on desktop. So it looked like there was a trend where, okay, smaller purchases were moving to your mobile device, but bigger purchases were staying on desktop. Mm. And that was something that we hadn't really focused in on. Um, travel was a great example. The average order value of travel from a mobile device is, I think, about $200 or something. What we were seeing on 
desktop related products was over $500. Wow. You know, cause it means it's the same thing. Like, and I, the way that I attribute that is like, yeah, of course I'm not going to go buy an expensive international flight on my phone. I'm sure there are people who will, but yeah. no, it's interesting. I wonder what's driving that um, behavior. Like it, is that ease of use? Is that more trust in a, in a, in a desktop than mobile device? <laughs> I think it's ability to browse and yeah. to easily compare side by side, see what you're looking at, look at all the options in a bigger screen real estate. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I think one of those things like why iPads, you know, kind of made a big shift over mobile phones. Screen real estate was really important to people. And we can even see that as a trend where if we look at our phone design from the first smartphones that had 3.4 inch screens up to now where you can basically get a pocket tablet and everybody's got one. Uh, it's clear that we value real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, especially with the trend of like the increased phone sizes as well. It's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, kind of cool to like look at a lot of different pieces there. I know we're coming up on time here, but um, Kevin, do you have any uh, last thoughts? Um, let's see. I think, you know, for our listeners, find, find those resources that are core to your industry. Um, like you and I were mentioning those micro kind of, um, articles or those micro um, publishers and, and try to f- follow them, read up on those headlines at a daily basis if you can um, and get in a, uh, get in a room with your customers too and, and listen to that. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Kevin said there. Looking at micro trends and macro trends, I think it's important to understand when a signal is there and really being able to identify whether or not you can build something that can address that shift in the market um, and being confident about it, that I think is a main piece. Secondly, don't just rely on one source of data. If anything, make sure you've got three, four or five that you trust to make your decisions with. Um, otherwise, beyond that, I think that's where, that's where we'll end it. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, now go level up.